Good morning. Good morning, West Covina Christian Church. It is great to be with you, even though I know you're watching online, um, at home, uh, or in your home office, or on your TV. Uh, thank you for joining us this morning. I appreciate Mr. Flowers uh, coming and worshiping the Lord with us this morning and sharing with us what's happening in the West Covina School District. Uh, you know, when, we, uh, when I first met Mr. Flowers uh, at a meeting the other week um, in the superintendent's office, at the school district office, um, one of the first things he said was, I love you guys, right? And so, I mean, that, that was one of the first things he said, and we didn't really know each other, but I think he knew we were brothers in Christ, um, and, uh, you know, he is brother love, and so uh, I, that, that's, a great, that's a great name. Um, you know, as we wind down the summer, and as we get our kids ready for school online, life continues to be surreal, doesn't it? It's just strange when I watch the news and I see what's going on and I... It's just surreal. I think fall is almost... But because of COVID and, and sheltering, um, you know, it doesn't feel like we even had very much of a summer. With everything in this constant holding pattern, it feels like um, the days and the seasons have kind of lost their meaning. You know, some sports are back. You can watch the NBA, you can watch Major League. But um, it's hard to take it seriously. You know, when they're playing in a bubble, they're playing in front of cardboard cutouts, they're, they're piping the crowd noise uh, into the arena. And I just wonder, you know, for yourself, how about you? Do you lose track of time these days? Do you kind of forget what day of the week it is or uh, what's happening? Isn't it difficult to plan for the future? I find it difficult to look at the calendar and to try to look ahead and to figure out what to do in the future. I can't even begin to imagine what Thanksgiving or what Christmas is going to look like this year um, for us as a family, for us as a church, for our community. You know, when we lose track of time, I think it's also easy for us to lose our focus. It's easy for us to lose our focus on what's important. Keeping our priorities in order becomes a real challenge. It, it takes real discipline, I think, to, to know what we need to do each day, each week, each month because everything seems the same. I know life is especially difficult right now. I know there are a ton of emotions and struggles um, and grief in our world. But it is crucial, it is crucial for us as a church and as believers to keep our eyes on the Lord, to keep our eyes focused on the Lord Jesus. In this season, I think one of the greatest threats to us while we're apart, while we can't see each other very much, while we worship and do school and do all of these things at a distance, one of the biggest threats, I think, is to lose our spiritual focus because our lives have been thrown in disarray. In our passage this morning in Luke, we're returning to the book of Luke. In our passage this morning, I think we'll see that keeping the right perspective 
remembering the past, and looking to the future are keys to living faithfully in the present. So let me say that again. Remembering the past and looking to the future are keys to living faithfully in the present, today, in the here and now. So with that, let's, uh, let's bow in a word of prayer and let's invite the Lord to speak to our hearts this morning. Father God, we thank you for our service. We thank you, Lord, that we can continue to worship you. And even though it's um, virtual and distant and online, Lord, you are real, you are true, you are God, you are sovereign over all. And uh, like Mr. Flowers said, Lord, you are worthy to be praised. And so we come before you today, this Sunday, each day, Lord, we come before you to worship and to praise you. Lord, I pray that you would open up the word this morning to us. You would speak to our hearts um, wherever we're at, Lord, um, in up times, in down times, feeling good, not feeling well. Lord, that you would speak to us. Your Holy Spirit would minister to us, and you would strengthen us, and you would undergird us, and you would encourage us this morning. And I pray that we would learn from your word. We would learn from Christ. We would learn from the disciples this morning. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're back in Luke, and we're going to look at Luke chapter 22 this morning. And we're going to read verses 7 through 20. It says, Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for, the, for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? They asked. He replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters, and say to the owner of the house, The teacher asks, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them, and so they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I, am eagerly de I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and distribute it and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine, until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it. And he gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Now, we started this sermon series uh, back in December, during Advent, because the book of Luke essentially begins with the birth of Christ. Luke 2, 10 and 11 says, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this is the theme of the book, that Christ is Savior and Lord. And what we see throughout the book of Luke is 
Jesus reflecting this, Jesus communicating this, Jesus showing us what God is like and where he's come from. See, we have followed Jesus' ministry for 21 chapters now. He has grown up, he's ministered in Galilee, and he has now arrived in Jerusalem for the Passover, teaching, healing, loving, Again, showing the people what the character of God is like in the flesh. And he's calling them to repentance and salvation. Now, at this point in the story here in chapter 22, Judas has already conspired with the religious leaders to betray Jesus. Jesus knows that he will be arrested. His disciples will abandon him for a time. And he will be executed. But he still has things he wants to accomplish. He's focused. And so it says on the day of unleavened bread, he sends Peter and John ahead to make preparations for the Passover meal. So what is Passover? This is important for us to grasp so that we can understand what's going on here. Now back in the Old Testament, in Leviticus 23, the Lord prescribed a number of festivals a number of feasts or celebrations for the Jewish people to observe. The day of unleavened bread and Passover mentioned here were two parts of the same observance prescribed by God. So at a set time in the spring, what would happen is the Jewish people, they would leave their homes, they would travel to Jerusalem to observe Passover. And they would go to Jerusalem because that's where the temple was. And each family would bring a lamb, either a lamb from their own flock or a lamb that they purchased. And they would bring a lamb to the temple to be sacrificed. These lambs were to be clean, unblemished, spotless. And they would remind the Israelites of the lamb that their ancestors had sacrificed and the blood that they put on the doorpost that night that they were delivered from slavery in Egypt. So this is many generations ago, and they are remembering back to God's faithfulness and deliverance. And this is when the Lord struck down the firstborn in every Egyptian household so that, the Pharaoh, so that Pharaoh would free the Israelites. This passage is in Exodus 12. So let's get it. 12, Exodus 12, 12 through 14 says, On that same night I will pass through Egypt, and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is a day you are to commemorate for the generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. <clears throat> so Passover was a time to remember, to remember God's deliverance of his people from Egypt. And it was also a time to be reminded of the price that had to be paid for their sin. For they were in bondage because of their unfaithfulness to God. 
But they were reminded there was a price to be paid, the sacrifice of the lamb and the blood of the lamb. So when it says in verse 13, Peter and John prepared for the Passover, it means they actually took the lamb to the temple. They slaughtered it there and prepared it for the Passover meal. In verse 14, when everything was ready and all the preparations were made, you know, it says that Jesus and the apostles reclined at the table. And this is where Jesus begins the Passover ritual by sharing his heart with his disciples. He knew that the cross lay before him. He knew that he was going to suffer. And he says, after this, I will not eat of the again until the kingdom of God has been fulfilled. You see, so in celebrating and remembering Passover and God's deliverance in the past, Jesus points his disciples to the future about the ultimate Passover feast in heaven. So just to be clear, Jesus has not yet eaten that Passover in heaven. He may be there. His disciples may be there, but we're not. Brothers and sisters in Christ around the world are not. See, he is waiting for all his people, all believers that would trust in his name as Lord and Savior. He is waiting for all believers down throughout history. He's waiting for them to be gathered up. Then there will be a great supper a great banquet in his kingdom at the end of time. And this is spoken about in the book of Revelation, chapter 19. And this feast is known as the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is the fulfillment of the kingdom of God that Jesus speaks of here to his disciples. He's looking ahead. Now, in case it isn't clear, this Passover meal here in Luke It is the famous Last Supper. This is Jesus' final meal with his disciples before his arrest, his crucifixion, and his resurrection. And I wrote in this past week's uh, church devotional about the significance that food and meals have on our lives or in our lives. Table fellowship. The breaking of bread together with one another is one of the most important things we can do to signify kinship and acceptance of each other. <clears throat> now, in, this, in the summer of 1991, I had one of, the mo- one of the most important meals in my life when I had dinner with my future in-laws to ask for their blessing to marry Renee, my wife. Now, Dr. Ben and Helen, many of you know them, my, my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, they were gracious. They're always gracious. But they definitely wanted to be assured of my love for Renee and my ability to provide for her. Right? So they asked me a lot of questions, just a lot of hard questions. Is your job secure? What's your career plans? Right? Is this the only job you plan to have? Do you plan to go to grad school? Where are you going to live? What are you going to, you know, where are you going to church? And I guess I should have known that it wasn't going to be easy when they didn't want to have dinner at a restaurant. 
but suggested instead we eat Chinese takeout at their medical practice. Right? I suppose that they could, they could yell at me and, you know, and do whatever they want and throw me out, right? So it's not in public. Well, I guess, right, that was almost 30 years ago. At least now they let me eat dinner in their house. Not that any of this, okay, reminds me of the Last Supper or anything like that. But it was a significant meal in my life, a significant moment in time for me. And I'm sure that you all have had significant meals and moments like that that changed the course of your life. This is one of the most important meals or important moments in Jesus' ministry. It was his last time with his disciples, men who had given up everything to follow him, men to whom he had entrusted the word of God and the gospel. And he knew that within a matter of hours, he would be nailed to a cross for the sins of all mankind. What took place that night, 2,000 years ago, has profound implications for us today. You know, as I studied the passage, I was in awe of God's sovereign wisdom and timing, that he would lead Jesus on this three-year journey of ministry and bring him to this very point in time during the Passover to give his life as a ransom for many. Because of what he was about to do, Christ's followers would eventually no longer see the blood sacrifice of the lamb, the angel of death, passing over the Israelites' homes in Egypt as the ultimate sign of deliverance. Jesus' death on the cross and his shed blood, now what atones for our sin and delivers us from death. Condemnation and death now pass over us. Amen? Jesus has become the new Passover lamb. In verses 19 and 20, Jesus departs from this normal Passover ritual and he begins to speak of the sacrifice he himself is about to make. He refers to his body and his blood. You know, these words are familiar to to many of us in the church today, but they must have been confusing to the disciples around the table that day because they had no idea what was about to happen over the next few days. When we observe communion on the first Sunday of each month, like we did last week, you know, we usually hear the words from 1 Corinthians. So let me read that to you. 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26. And it says, For I, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, 
you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. See, Jesus had not only become the Passover lamb, but he had transformed the Passover feast into the Lord's Supper. He used the bread and the cup to illustrate his body and blood that would be broken and poured out the very next day. And he instituted communion so that the disciples and so that all of us would continue to follow him after his death and resurrection and remember what he did and what he said. He says, do this in remembrance of me. You see, church, remembering the past, remembering what Christ did on the cross is essential for us to hold our identity and understand our mission as a church and as Christians. Jesus' death and resurrection are the centerpiece of our faith. And it is the ultimate proof that he was the Son of God. He was who he said he was. Now it's generally understood by Bible scholars that the book of Luke and Acts are two volumes of a single work, probably both written by Luke. They're really one story. But there's a clear difference when you look at the disciples immediately after Jesus' death here in Luke, which we'll see in the coming weeks, when they're scared and they're unsure about what to do as compared to the bold group of disciples we see in the book of Acts, who give their lives to spread the gospel to the Roman world. The difference? They knew Jesus was alive. They remembered what he did and said. And they had the Holy Spirit given to them. And this should be the same for you and me. To live in faith and confidence today, in spite of the coronavirus, in spite of the political environment, in spite of the economy, in spite of the hurt and the pain that many are suffering through. We need to remember Christ's sacrifice. We need to remember and know in our hearts that he is alive. And we need to understand that he has given us the Holy Spirit as a helper to help us make our way through. Not only are we to look back, but we are to look forward as well. First, Jesus tells his disciples about the, um, about the Passover feast in God's kingdom. And he says in Luke 13, 29, people will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Can you imagine? This is a celebration between Christ and his bride, the church, down throughout history. And we don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss it. You don't want to be left out. Then it says, when we observe the Lord's Supper, when we take communion, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Beloved, Christ, who came as a humble servant in the Gospels the first time, he will come again. Scripture says no one knows exactly when except the Father in heaven. But we need to be prepared. When he does return, he will come as judge and king. 
1 John 2.28 says, And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. You see, remembering the past and looking forward to the future should provide a line for us, right? a focus for us, a purpose for us to live today. It should be in a way that shapes our commitments and our priorities today. The Passover feasts, the Lord's Supper, both are tables which God invites his believers to. And he invites us to remember his faithfulness and his deliverance. And we are to remember Christ's sacrifice, his body broken for us, and the new covenant in his blood. And the new covenant basically means that we are saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus and in Christ alone, and not by works that any man should boast. Now, if you're watching this and you're not a Christian, you're not a believer, maybe you're exploring, maybe you're trying to understand who, who this fellow Jesus is, know that his invitation is for you too. Christ suffered and died that you might have life and you might have it abundantly, eternal life. And he invites you into relationship with him. And if this is you, please contact us at the church. Ask questions. Contact us. Let us know what you're thinking, what you uh, want to talk about. We would love to talk to you. But God is not just a God of the past. He's a God of the future. And he wants you and me to live today with the knowledge that he will return and he is preparing a feast for his people. How then should we live? Let me close with Galatians 2.20, which says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's pray. As we bow our heads, I'm just going to give us a minute to remember Christ's sacrifice. I know we took communion last week, but we should do this regularly, maybe daily, to remember Christ's sacrifice, his body broken for us, his blood shed for us and that in him alone we have forgiveness of our sins we have redemption and I also want you to think about the future and what God holds for us in the future and the great feast the Passover in heaven a time where we will come together as brothers and sisters in Christ and we will share in the glory of our Lord and Savior. And we will honor and worship the Lamb of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for being so gracious. Thank you for being loving. Not only that, but being powerful 
and being strong and being eternal. You are the God of the past. You are the God of the future. You are God of the present. And Lord, I pray that we would live according to that. And we would not um, be weak. We would not be scared. We would not shy away, Lord, from doing the things that you tell us to do in your word. We pray that you continue to minister to us and help us, Lord. We ask for your help each day. In Jesus' name, amen.